Hey, y'all. Welcome to All About the Pod podcast with the University of Georgia Peanut Team. I am Macy Wheeler, your host, bringing you real-time updates from our scientists, extension specialists, extension agents, growers, graduate students, and everyone in between. Get started here. Welcome back. This is episode 31. We'll keep climbing this hill. I like it. We're um, moving right along, and we're, I reckon we're feeding quite a bit today. We got sausage biscuits and all kind of donuts that Glenn has brought this morning from the from the grocery or the gas station. The gas station. But you said auction. Uh, well, he did say auction at first. His away, I'm telling you. But we're sitting here with um, Glenn Harris, myself, Mark Abney, Tim Brenneman, Wes Porter, and Scott Tubbs, and we've got a caller on the nut line. It's Jeremy Kickler. How you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for the opportunity to be all of the pod. Yeah, hopefully you stay in a good area. We can hear you. So yeah, what, let me drive up on top of the hill. Yeah, that's probably a good thing. So I won't. I won't keep you long, Jeremy, because I know you got things to do. But what's going on in the county as far as peanut goes? I I know we've gotten through planting, or have we gotten through planting for you? Yeah, we had some um, seed quality issues a couple couple weeks ago, about a month ago, and um, you know, so the peanut crop ranges from you know two to three weeks old all the way up to sixty days, sixty five days. So people are putting out fungicides now, trying to trying to get that stillborn fungicide out at, at sixty days. And there's some peanuts that have been sixty days old, and this is their first fungicide application. So we're getting a little weedy in spots and trying to. Trying to get some weed control measures out. I think you're going in and out on this. Did you start moving again? Well, that was a good report. Oh, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like Jeremy's got everything under control. That's there. right. It does. Yeah. He, he said his last word yeah. and he disappeared that <laughs> quick. It's um, <laughs> Oh, he's back. He's back. How you doing? We we thought you done left. So this is a, a trial with uh, Jeremy Cooker just trying to see how how we can call and invite others to give us a little update on the podcast. But you, so we've got everything from just barely up to sixty days old, and you say we've got a lot of problems just getting the the first initial. Well, some herbicides and and initial fungicide sprays. Correct. Yeah, that's right. So hopefully you can hear me now. I can. Yeah. I hope you can do a lot of editing. So again, you know, peanuts three weeks old all the way up to 60, 65 days. Um, and it seems like, you know, some of these peanuts are 60 days old, hadn't had a fungicide on yet. So we're starting with a soul born, you know, application now. Um, you know, the 45 day peanuts, the ones that are closer to 45, we're going with the Preaxe or Lucenta. Um, and then, you know, weed control has been, has been a challenge too. We've been wet for two or three weeks and, and it's just, you know, we got, we're trying to clean up peanuts. Um, you know, some of these fields have missed a crack and spray. Now we got, you know, larger pigweed, so we're pulling them. Uh, we're putting out a little bit of dual, so we're, we're just trying to get everything in shape. You know, it's a little late, but, you know, we are. We got some challenges, but I think we're going to turn the corner this week and next week when, when you know, we start to dry out. You know, it's going to get hot next week, or it's already hot. Um, and hopefully some of these fields will start to grow. Um, seems like it's been cooler in May, and just now we're going to go from cool to 
extremely hot all in 10 days. Yep, that's typically the way it goes in South Georgia, right? It is. Mm-hmm. We do need it, though, and, and I've noticed that in our variety trials, they are starting to grow and grow fast. So uh, things are starting to get in gear. But, no, we just wanted to kind of see how things are going out in the counties. Um, you talked about it wet, right? Have y'all dried out to or you your farmers dried out to a point where you're going back to irrigating some? Next week, we're probably going to start irrigating a little bit. Um, like some parts of Canyon, like Thorin, Hartsfield got, you know, they got, there was a couple nights where they got anywhere from two to three inches. Um, so some parts, you know, the west part of Canyon is, is wetter than the east part. The east part of Canyon, you know, we're starting to dress cotton. Um, you know, it, they didn't get the rain that some other parts of the county got. So it, it depends on the county. Um but, you know, we are starting to dry out a little bit. You know, this heat, it didn't take long. So hopefully, maybe middle of next week, we'll start cranking up a few pivots and start irrigating again. I got you. What about gypsum? Yeah, start seeing some, some buggies going around. Um, yeah, and we're starting to put out gypsum this week. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Any questions so for, cool. for Sir Jeremy before he disappears on us? Like hadn't that. heard a whole lot about lesser corn stock borers. You say you haven't? No. Question's kind of, you know, that was a big topic before, before you know, these, these rain events started two, three weeks ago. And now, you know, it, it hadn't really seen a whole lot of foliage caterpillars either. You know, so on the insect front, it's been pretty quiet. Yeah, it's been more disease, you know, um, disease questions. And since Bob went to the Philippines, you know, that's when people start asking. <laughs> Yeah, the lesser thing, I think, I mean, 10 days or, or 12 or 14 days of rain tends to, it makes them hard to find even if they're still there. And that, I do want to caution people that they didn't all die, right? They're still there. Um, there's probably, there are not as many as there were. Um, but if it, you know, if we, there's a lot of rain in the forecast next week, actually. And if it doesn't rain and it's 97 degrees, you're going to start seeing lessers again. And they're going to start, if they're scouting, they'll see them. And the late plant stuff, that stuff you said is two weeks and four weeks out of the ground. Those are the places you're going to want to be looking. The stuff that's already lapped up, not going to be as at much risk, but the later planted fields will still be at risk. And anything with light, sandy soil will still be at risk. But there's no question that the all that cloudy, cool, rainy weather helped us out on lessers. And in July is when we start to usually see foliage-feeding caterpillars. So I haven't heard much about foliage feeders either. But we're going to start hearing about them. Um, but it's... Again, most people get way too excited about foliage feeding caterpillars, right? We got good thresholds. We just need to use them. If you don't have four caterpillars, at least four caterpillars per row foot, don't spray them. Yeah. I think the only foliage feeder we've had problems with right now is deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and we got they're bad. Major deer problems <laughs> in places that are 30 to 40 days old, and they are about, mm-hmm. about four inches across. I mean, they're... They're eating them down. We've got to get the vegetative state moving um, in some of these areas. They so must have liked the wet weather, too, or something, the deer. Why were the deer so bad? I don't know. It's just I think it has a lot to do. It has a lot to do with where you're at. I mean, the south people, end of the Lang Farm, I don't know about you, Tim, but the south end of the Lang Farm, they're tearing me up. I heard one theory that, uh, you know, we were kind of cool in May, so there wasn't as much out there for them to eat, so they came out in the fields, but I don't know if that makes sense or not. You would think as much much weedy things are growing in the field, there'd be just as much growing in the woods. So Dr. Brenneman needs to harvest a few more. <laughs> he must not have had a good harvest year last year. 
I think our populations are going up in some areas too. Yeah, just like you numbers, said, depends on where you are. Yeah, yeah, yep. Well, Jeremy, that's all we have. Like I said, uh, any other question for Jeremy? And I have not. I'll let you go. I know you're. Busy I got a guy. question for Glenn. I got a question for Glenn. So some of these retailers are backed up, putting out gypsum, and you know can't get gypsum to fill. What is the latest you can put out gypsum and 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 it still make its money? My drop dead cut off, believe it or not, is about 80 days after planting. But that's only if you, you find out you really didn't need it. You took a pagan zone sample and found out, yeah, I'm like below 500 and all that. Because you know, as well as I do, that, that a lot of these fields are probably don't even need it at all. Um, I mean, it's great insurance. I'm not arguing with that. Um, so, you know, when you get into this thing about how too late, you know, if you don't need it at all, you know, you're probably going to do more damage, you know, messing up vines at 80 days after. Yeah. Peak pod fill 60 to 90 days. So, you know, you get it out there before 60, you still got a good chance of hitting most of the pods as long as you get some rain. Um, but you get a, you get about 80 days and past that, I'm going to say, wait till next year. <laughs> yep. yep. How's that? Is that a good enough answer? That, that is that is great information. There you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, you got a lot of yellow peanuts? <laughs> I think all our peanuts are yellow. Yeah, I, I, that's what I want to talk about. How many different things can turn a peanut yellow? But anyway, yes. I just want to make sure I wouldn't see it. And there. how many things can help that out? <laughs> yeah, the, exactly. The major one of drying well, out. Make that's more yield. I can green them up. I don't know. Yeah, I, I bet I got yield. something for eight dollars an acre to green them right up. Yeah. I got one too. Got, <laughs> I got something. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jeremy, we appreciate your time today. Um, man, you're the f- first official phone visitor. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Oh, man, I feel, I feel, I feel wonderful. Honored. We'll send you a plaque. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. There you go. First <laughs> All right, y'all have a great day. Thank all you. Right, see you. All right, good deal. Good deal. That worked out all right. Like I said, just kind of getting an idea of where can we get some people calling in and giving us some ideas of what's going on in the county. So we're glad, like I said, <clears throat> to be here. There are things. We're moving right along. Um, <clears throat> like Jeremy said, pushing 60-plus days with some of the early ones. Um, and we probably should look like we're further than that. Um, in growth. I mean, you look at these 60-day-old peanuts, they're not lapped yet. Some of them are not. Um, nowhere near what we're thinking. But um, I was in some of my variety trials and some of the yesterday and some of the newer ones that are only 48 days, right at 50 days, and they're already touching. Mm-hmm. So we got some out there coming along. This is going to be a, like 12 wire, it looks like. We're going to have some pretty viney peanuts in some of these. So uh, but yeah, we're trying to get around. Look at that. Uh, you got so you want to talk a little bit more about the yellow peanuts? Yeah, I mean, I've spent my career looking at yellow peanuts and yellow cotton. Um, and a lot of things, as you know, can turn them yellow. In my world, and on a peanut, the two most um, logical ones would be uh, a temporary nitrogen deficiency from waterlogging. I mean, when we got, you know, I, like I said, I didn't think you could drown the South Georgia sand, but I've changed my mind over the years. Um, West Border shaking his head, so that's good when the irrigation specialist agrees. Um, but, you know, you know, they were just sitting, those peanuts were just sitting there, didn't have any oxygen down in the roots in the air, and they're just sitting there. And, you know, nitrogen's going to be the first thing that kind of runs out and looks bad. So, and they hate to hear it, but as soon as it dries out, they should probably come on, keep fixing. Um, as long as you were inoculated, 
you know, you around 30 days and yeah, and and and, and fine. Um, you should go on. The other is manganese salt or manganese deficiency. And uh, you know, if you have a high pH and a low manganese, that's likely what it is. But a lot, I think a lot of peanuts we spray with manganese sulfate aren't manganese deficient. Yeah, that's a good picture. Jeremy just sent us a yellow peanuts. Um, but uh, and it'll green them up, like you said, it'll green them up. But I don't know if it always makes more yield. So yeah, um, superficially make them look good at least. Might be as cheap as green paint. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Paint's not idea. cheap. Green Paint's not cheap. Anyway, but the trick is though, you know, that nitrogen fixation kicks in about thirty days. So you know, were you greening up at thirty days before we got all the rains and then it turned them yellow? You know, what I what I what's going to happen? I know is we're going to get out there about sixty seventy days and they're going to be yellow. They thought, oh, we were we just thought they were drowned and they had maybe a nitrogen problem. Yeah, you know, or a manganese problem, and it's going to be hard to fix it after. That. And 60, hopefully that's rare. Sixty units is what you. Yep, Doctor Tubbs okay. and I did that research. We thought maybe that didn't sound like enough. We went to one twenty and one eighty, but sixty pounds. Most people use about three hundred pounds of ammonium sulfate okay. uh, if you need nitrogen. Okay. And I don't. I don't. You know, if you're going to try to kick them off and make them grow again um two things that have come up is putting ammonium sulfate on or airy running the middles um you know some of this you know we got some heavy red rings as you know um you know what red rings are right okay on the red ring yeah you know when you look at the radar and it's got yellow and yellow yeah. and green and red ones red ring. those are heavy anyway um That's heavy. they pack it in they pack that soil in. We, we 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 have a tendency to forget about the physical things about the soil we concentrate on ph and nutrients but you pack that sand in think about how hard sand gets right down by the water line the ocean you pack them sands in it's tough on them. Oh, yeah. any plant oh, trying yeah. to come through that so we don't run the middles much anymore, but we do once in a while. And um, if you got a really packed in sand over in Berrien County or somewhere, you might want to run the middles well, once you get in. We got several people that are doing some of that this year. But as long as the vines aren't too big, cause problems. Right? Well, I was going to say, we're running the middles in our field this week. We're doing it to try to create white mold. Yeah, there you go. I've got some white mold tests, and I'm trying to make sure we have good pressure. So we're setting the sweeps up, throw dirt up on the vines. Yep. So that's exactly what you don't want to do. But yep. we're doing it in this case to try to get more disease, and it, it usually works. So yeah. Just yeah. avoid doing that if, you, if you're on. And I guess the younger the peanut, the smaller the peanut, yes, you've got less chance of throwing a bunch of dirt on the vines, I guess. That's true. So, so maybe them 30 day or them two, three weeks old peanuts that yeah, Jeremy was talking yeah. about be all right. And the weed situation is pushing some of these folks to run sweeps too. Mm-hmm. So Mark, you said you gotta leave and, and we wanna respect that because you gotta go teach. And maybe you don't want to go teach. I don't know. <laughs> I love but, it. That's but, great. But, <laughs> that's great. So um, what what do you have out there going on right now? What are you seeing? Well, Jeremy and I kind of covered it, right? There's this is usually a lull time. June is usually a really nice time to be the peanut entomologist, except when we have really dry, hot, dry conditions and lessers flare up. And then we had that, and then it started raining and rain for a prolonged period. And the, what I said earlier is that people tend to think that they're gone, and they're not, right? We've got traps all over the state. We're still catching malls, and they're still going to lay eggs. And But the they, they don't develop as fast when it's cool. And they don't lay as many eggs when it rains and the eggs don't survive as good when it's wet. So the populations will be lower. But if it were to turn off dry now, 
and stay hot and dry for the majority of the rest of the summer, we're going to be treating lesser cortisol war again. Yeah. Um, so we just need to look, right? I mean, the, the key, the, as I say it every time I'm in here, is you scout your peanuts and everything will be all right. Um, if you don't scout, then you can have a problem. Yeah. Uh, we just don't want to assume that they're gone just because it rains. You probably, most most fields probably do not need to be treated right now, but there's still malls around. They're still going to lay eggs. The foliage feeding caterpillars are going to come. We don't need to make preventative sprays. We don't need, it's the second week of July or the third week of July. We're just going to spray something for caterpillars. We don't need to do that. We can walk through the fields if we've got them. Uh, the thresholds for caterpillars are, are good. I mean, people will say, well, I, I, I walked out here by the pivot and I got four per foot. You scout the rest of the field and you got one or zero. Just because you got four per foot in one little spot doesn't mean you need to spend $12 an acre or $14 an acre to spray the whole field. So you just scout it, keep it. Keep you scout it. Yep. And you, yeah, you know, we've got <coughs> recommendations for most of these things. And, um, you know, it's, people are going to start it with the end of June. So people will start asking about three-cornered alfalfa hoppers because they're going to see them and people want to spray them. But the reality is even if they were a major pest, if they were causing us a lot of yield loss, we would have a problem because the stuff we use to kill them is not very good. Most people are going to use pyrethroid and it's going to kill some of them, but it won't kill them all. And they're highly mobile so they can move in from somewhere else. They're all over they're, there. They eat everything, right? So they're going to come in from the grass. And you can spray them, and a week later, you got adults back in the field. So uh, those pyrethroids, we run the risk of flaring mites, which everybody's ever been to a grower meeting has heard me say. So if, especially in non-irrigated peanuts, so I, I caution, I just wouldn't. If they were my peanuts, I would spray the three-cornered alfalfa hopper in non-irrigated peanuts. Right. If I was making a, a fungicide spray in middle of late July and I've got lots of adults and lots of immatures, I'd probably put a pyrethroid in there. But the reality is if you never treat three-cornered alfalfa hopper and somebody, if we had a call-in section live, somebody listening might call in and tell me they think I'm wrong. Well, we could argue about it, but you're not going to lose enough yield to make a big difference, right? They will cost you some yield, but it's not a lose the farm kind of deal. And so it's just not worth the risk. The stuff that really works is way too expensive to use. Right, you could. There is something that's registered for use in peanuts that will kill them and kill the immatures, but there's economically it makes absolutely no sense. So what about talking about, talking about losing the farm? You know, we've got several farmers over in West Georgia that are not planting peanuts because of southern corn rootworm. Yeah, is there a rescue situation that we can do there that may or may not work? I know you've been looking at trying to figure out what can we do since we don't have anything major. What I yeah. mean is that one of the things they just need to call you and talk to you and let's try to figure something out or or yeah that's probably right I mean and, and I will say this it's not southern corn rootworm anymore it's banded cucumber beetle for uh, southern corn rootworm is a native species it's it's a, they're both rootworms banded cucumber beetle is not native ninety percent of the population now in peanuts in Georgia is banded cucumber beetle twenty years ago it would have been less than five percent now it's the majority and there's no data to tell us if it's more abundant than rootworms used to be or southern corn rootworm used to be. So did it displace it or is it just more abundant? I don't know, but most of the population is banded and not much work has been done on banded cucumber beetle. They look the same for practical purposes. They act the same, but I think they can survive in soil conditions where southern corn rootworm cannot. I think they can survive in drier soil 
in lighter soil. Um, you know, there are a couple of years recently we've had right. rootworm right. at the RDC pivot. Yep. We've had yep. rootworms in very, uh, Ben Hill County and places where they'd never seen rootworm injury before. Part of that's because it was wetter than normal, and part of it was because it's a different species. But as far as managing is concerned, yes, without chlorpyrifos, we have a problem. And the probably the simplest thing to do is, is if you have an issue and you think you've got these insects, you you probably we've probably already talked about it sitting around a table. But if we haven't and you want to talk about it, call your county agent, get me on the phone, and we'll talk about what the options are. None of them are going to be consistently effective at the level that we want, right? But there are things that you can try to do. You need to come up with a name like Southern Farm Rootworm for the beetle. Or banded cucumber yeah, beetle. Yeah, so to say a banded cucumber beetle, you just have a, a – come up with your own Southern, like white mold versus Southern stem rot. You know, come up with your own term for it. Well, that'll be the, that'll be this week's contest. Everybody can email Scott Mumford <laughs> with the name for banded cucumber beetle. And the winner will let you be on the, on the podcast. Hey, there you go. I'm going to tell you what I was thinking anyway. <laughs> Whatever Glenn yeah. came up with, it ain't going to be that. <laughs> <laughs> have to kind of watch that. Yeah. But the only other thing is I raided spotted wilt on Monday, and I've got some pretty significant amounts of spotted wilt in uh, two trials on the Lane Farm. And then, you know, whatever, five or six miles away on Ponder Farm, very little. But when I say significant, I'm like averaging 18% across all the treatments. At the yeah, I had farm. walked through mine at Ponder Farm the other day, and it was, I think, less than 2%. Not much at Ponder. So, very, not very, two days difference in planting. Ever how many miles that is? Six miles, I don't know, something, whatever it is, eight miles, something. But a big difference in spotted wilt. But really severe looking spotted wilt at Lane. I mean, it was, look, nasty hmm. and i don't know if it's because it was cloudy for 10 days and the sun baked got on them where they where those lesions were i mean like turning brown and just hmm. like bad looking Dang. all right we also got like i said dr tubbs and porter and dr brennan what, what can y'all add to the podcast i know y'all got plenty to talk about right what all's going on here dr brennan we're coming out of coming out of getting the plants up <laughs> Have you seen a lot of aspergillus uh, niger crown rot? <clears throat> for the most part, it's been a very light year for that. I will say I've seen more in the last week than I've seen probably in the previous uh, weeks combined. So, uh, you know, temperatures, I just saw this morning, it's going to be like 108 heat index tomorrow, they're predicting. Especially later planted peanuts, uh, we'll probably see some more crown rot flaring in those. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, I think it's been overall be a light year for that, but we more made up for it with the other early season issues, the pythium, the rhizopus, the uh, bacterial rot on the seed. And we weren't alone. I've, I've been talking to pathologists from Mississippi all the way up through Virginia. And I think that profile of pythium, rhizopus, bacterial seed rot, uh, everybody's seen it this spring with the cool, wet conditions we had. So been a very, very different uh, year seedling disease-wise. Some of the products that work good on aspergillus don't work as good on that complex I just described. So we're seeing different responses, uh, I think, both to our seed treatments and the infera treatments. So that's definitely probably what added to early we said we had a lot of low vigor seed potentially because a lot of our cold germs are coming back real bad. Um, so we said we had low vigor. That 
that on top of having those pathogens, uh, I mean, that's that's probably why we had such a bad problem early. Yeah, and we had, you know, we had some heavy rains. Um, I mean, my own test up here at the, the Lang Farm, uh, we planted it, and we planted some lower vigor seed intentionally, and the rest of the field needed to be watered, so he put on an inch or more water that night right after we planted, and that that kind of put it over the edge, I think. Uh, that's not what we recommend doing, and when you're on that borderline anyway, and then have that kind of a uh, event where they stay cold and wet for for several days, it puts that seed under stress. Those young seedlings just don't develop very quick, and you see the ones that do develop, you see root rot, and it makes them slow. It's a lot slower to grow off. Yeah. So Jeremy came up with a pretty good question or or comment a while ago that hit a lot of people are behind. We've missed the 30-day application. We've missed the 45-day in some situations. Now we're pushing 60. How do you recommend changing fungicide programs to kind of catch up that little bit that we might have missed? Or do we need to just kind of tighten up our schedule? What's What's some of your thoughts there? Well, we need to get out there as quick as we can, obviously, because uh, we're, we're behind the game. And there's undoubtedly probably some infections out there that are taking place. I think about chemistry. Uh, the triazoles, group threes, tend to be more effective uh, post-infection. Uh, some people, like, well, for example, one I'm thinking of is Miravis, which a lot of guys might use at 60 days, might not be the best choice if you have not sprayed at all yet, because Miravis is not a good post-infection material. Right. And so I think, you know, you might be thinking more of things that can stop existing infections if you have not sprayed at all. But the biggest thing would be get out there as soon as you can and get something on those peanuts and something that has white mold activity because right. we're, we're already in that stage of the season. Right. Do, you, do you tighten up the schedule, though, like you said, or do you just go with just, just figure you missed the first two and go with the plan? Uh, in some cases, you might tighten up. Uh, a lot's going to depend on on the weather we've got coming in. I mean, if it's it's turning off hot, but it's also there's some pretty good chances of rain this next week. And if it stays rainy and we're coming off infections already started, you might need to tighten that up some. Yeah, because that's what causes the problem in the first place. Hard to tighten up your schedule when it's raining every day. That's true. That's true. And then that's going that's going to crank up the airplanes a little bit. We already had several putting yeah. stuff out with airplanes because they can't get in the field. Drones. So, yeah. Drones. Um, yeah, that'd keep a drone busy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that'd keep uh-huh. a drone I mean, we busy. can't hit cover 700,000 yeah. acres of peanuts with a drone. Uh, that'd be kind okay. of tough. You yeah. can help out in spots for certain. <laughs> All right, Dr. Porter, Dr. Tubbs, what y'all got? What's going on? Yeah, so every time I come on and, and make statements, we do the complete opposite, right? I think I was on <laughs> two weeks ago, and um, we talked about how it had been hot and dry, and then it rained for two weeks straight. Um <laughs> everybody's talking about i think i did come on and talk about you know some of the implications of all that rain and where we were at being saturated and guess what and then it turns around and turns dry and extremely hot you know like when y'all just mentioned i've looked and checked temperatures we're 96 to 98 degrees i think predicted across the um across the weekend and so i was driving up from live oak florida yesterday on the interstate and my car thermometer stated about 98 degrees coming up on the interstate so even though it wasn't predicted to get that warm 
that radiant heat still getting there. So, um, you know, I've had a few calls and a few questions about irrigating peanuts this week. Um, and we still, some of the questions I keep getting is we don't like to irrigate peanuts before 40 days and we're, we're behind. We've mentioned we got pushed back on a lot of our peanuts and hopefully we're getting most of them out of that 40 day time frame. I think, um, we're getting at the tail end of that. You know, that means right around now you planted very into May, give or take, you know, right at maybe, maybe mid May, but you know, when we look at where we stand, where we were, our development of those peanuts and what we have access to water to, I'm going to try to step us through a few things here and not overrun it. I, I put this in the peanut pointers too. I, I worked on writing them yesterday. I know they won't be due for another week. So y'all go revisit those for July to get these numbers I'm going to throw out there. But let's talk about what Scott Mumford said a couple of times. We're behind. We felt like, uh, and it's been a theme again this morning, stayed saturated for about two weeks. And because of that, we've probably not developed a, a deep, thorough root system like we normally would have. And we talked about this two weeks ago when I was on the podcast. But what that means to us is now we're not, not only won't have access to some of our nutrients and other things out there, but we're not going to have access as big of access to a water either because now we're going to have a smaller smaller surface area that we're extracting water from or smaller volume within that soil that we're extracting water from. And so we're going to use it a little more rapidly or need it more rapidly in that small area on these peanuts. And so to give you a couple of numbers, um, if your peanuts are at about um, six weeks old, give or take four to six weeks, we're at about uh, 0.15 inches per uh, per day that we need right now. And that's on average now. To keep, that, to keep that in mind, that's on average. If we're on the tail end of that we're closer to 60 days Mumford mentioned that we had some peanuts out there around 60 days that puts us at about 0.23 to 0.25 inches per day getting up near peak water use so let's talk about those two for just a minute and again I'm gonna try not to lose you when you throw a bunch of numbers on a podcast or listening some people keep up and then some people are trying to drive down the road it's a lot but we're at 0.14 and our soil most of our soils hold about an inch of water per foot of soil so we can make an assumption I would hope by the time we move into uh, uh, the next week or two, we've got roots anywhere from a foot to a foot and a half. But let's say we're even at a foot. So a foot, that means we've got an inch of water available to those peanuts, but we can only extract 50% of that. So that means that we can extract about, uh, um, I don't see, I don't lost my train of thought. So if we've got a foot of soil, we got um, we can extract about a half inch of that in a foot of soil with foot rooting depth. So about a half inch of that to be extracted. And if we are using about 0.15 per day. About every three days, we're at 0.45 inches we've used, or about that half inch. So about every three days, maybe four days, we're probably going to refill that profile. So let's step up and say those peanuts are now at 60 days. We hope if they're at 60 days, and one of your agronomists, uh, if y'all pulled any, uh, correct me, I would hope that they're not only at just a foot root in depth now, that maybe they have some fine roots down a little deeper. Have y'all noticed, or are we still staying pretty shallow? We've got to yeah, we, we down further than that. Don't, we don't dig them down deep <laughs> enough. Yeah, we don't break them. And, and they, they're going to break off. We're trying to just dig them out right. of the soil with the shovel. But I mean, the, the root system should definitely be deeper than a foot in normal years. Especially tap root. It's wet. Well, but so we're not so extracting moisture with the tap root. That's what we have to keep in mind. We extract moisture with our with those fine hair roots. So you hope that you yeah, got branching out. Yeah. So. Let's say that maybe we're behind this year and we still only have about a foot of rooting depth there. And and now our water requirement, I told you, is closer to a quarter inch per day at 60 day peanuts. That means about every two, two and a half days or so if we stay dry. So I'm I'm not trying to scare anybody out there. But if we're in a scenario that you do have really shallow uh, rooted peanuts and we stay like we are, we have been this week and we move into that next week. And I know everybody said we got rainfall predicted. I've checked the rainfall, I think, after Monday, like it last I looked last night. 
night is like 47% chance maybe on Tuesday. Yeah, that's and not a whole up. lot for South Georgia, though. Yeah. And so I don't know about you guys, but I never want to not irrigate because I got a chance of rain unless it's 100%. Okay. Yeah. A lot of these are scattered, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Great cloud. You don't get it. So yeah. tough to show me. We're on average 58% throughout all the next week. But um, as y'all said, that's, you know what that is? That's, that's summer predicted thunderstorms to pop up and that means approximately in your viewing area that's how they say they do that in your in your predicted area you're looking at that means that there's a 50 percent or 58 percent chance that somebody's gonna get some rain jeremy was on earlier and he said that you know in just cockwood county a couple areas in the county had an inch or two overnight um, earlier this week or later last week and other people didn't so we really need to monitor where we're at and think about um Think about if do we get that rain? Do we really need that irrigation? Looking at my sensors and where we're at, um, we've had some sensors across the state starting to call for irrigation and trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, my stuff down at Stripling uh, Irrigation Research Park, right out of Camilla, we irrigated our our recommended uh, forty five kilopascal treatments today. That's the first time we've irrigated those in about three weeks, if that tells you where we're at. So those are about normal age peanuts. They were planted early May. Um, I think they were planted around May 10th, give or take. And so that tells you they're about getting near that 60 day time frame. And so we just now have dried out enough to need irrigation again on those 45 kilopascals. So I, I can't relate. Uh, I've kept up with rainfall down there, but I can't relate that directly to everybody across the state. But, you know, just keep in mind, we are getting at that point when to start triggering and the other thing that worries me a little bit again is even if we're not quite to you're saying all right well i'm not quite to where i'm ready to trigger yet but if you're going to be away for a couple of days we're, we're moving one thing we've all neglected is fourth of july and not calling anybody out but you know how many of y'all may be taking off for a long weekend coming up make sure you got a contingency plan to turn those pivots on over this long weekend if we're not getting any rainfall because if you let those Correct. young peanuts sit when they're right on the cusp of needing irrigation right now sit over four days I think that heat's going to get to them as bad as what the moisture stress will now. So I'd say go ahead and consider putting a, you know, a half to a three quarter inch event on if you're not going to be around, you know, for the fourth to catch up with those. So that's kind of where I stand. You know, we're depending on what happens next week. And I can't ever, I think none of us can, can put faith in 58% rainfall. Um, we can think, you know, I, I don't have faith in the weather anymore. <laughs> well, you know, you don't really need a weatherman in South Georgia in the summer. High 95, low 72, and 50% chance of rain. That's right. I think so that's, that's it. Every, every day. Cool. That's every day. Every I think day. Got about it October. We just found Glenn's retirement plan. There you go. Be a weatherman. <laughs> got it. Hey, what other job? You don't even have to be right even, you know. You get out. Oh, I was wrong. Okay, you still get your job. Tomorrow. Well, whatever. That's yeah. fine. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's where we're at. You know, if you've got more questions about them, you got specific cases or scenarios, of course, as, as Abney said, reach out to your agent we can talk about it we can get you figured out um we had i'll throw in one more pitch uh, we had our first master irrigator program uh two days ago over in tombs county um at the new ag center it's a very nice building they've got jason edenfield and also a nice facility it they've got nice. there that county did a very good job they did i enjoyed it we had huge turnout we've got 16 farmers in that program right now uh and that's about somewhere between 16 and 20 is where we want to keep it moving forward every year but that's a new program we started this year that we're going to work with y'all guys more intimately to help you learn uh, more in-depth scheduling and some other things so you know just keep that in mind as we move forward we're starting some of those programs too so looking forward to it yeah and i just bring i mean to throw out a little punch there i would say that i commend several of these counties out there for doing a great job for extension yes um i went to Lawrence county not too long ago and that that new building they have is phenomenal 
Um, so I'm, I'm glad the counties are still seeing how important extension is and, and yeah. still, you know, doing their part and, and making sure that we're still viable. So I appreciate that for all the yes. counties out there listening as well. Tubbs, you got anything going on this that we hadn't already discussed or even um, if we are, go ahead. Yeah, not a whole lot. So, I mean, just as a, as a traditional field agronomist, a lot of what we, um, a lot of our recommendations come from early season, you know, um, tillage and planting decisions, row spacing, seed depth, uh, seeding rate, plant population, those types of things, things that we manipulate really early on, get, get the seed out of the ground. And, you know, we, we deal a little bit with like replanting, things like that. But once, once you've got an established crop, you get to this point in the season, you're not going to be recommending replanting. You know, a lot of what we've already done is, is past. And so the traditional agronomist role then comes into play again, closer to the end of the season around maturity decisions. What, you know, when, when do we dig and, and, uh, you know, depth of digging, things like that, uh, timing of digging. So this point in the year, you know, traditional field agronomist is we're, we're mainly focusing on tracking the crop and, and uh, data collection for our research trials, things like that. So we don't have a whole lot on the recommendation side um, from the agronomy standpoint. Um, I will say, though, just it sparked my memory the other day. Um, some of the stuff that we do, though, it, it, it reminded me when, when Brenneman said earlier about, you know, running his sweeps to purposely throw soil up on the vines to try and uh, initiate white mold. Um, you know, we do things sometimes we'll, we'll go out there and we'll, we'll pull plant samples. We'll pull plants out of the field on purpose to force a bad population at different points in the year because we want to see what how that affects the crop. And I've had student workers in the past that are like, Dr. Tubbs, why are we doing this? A farmer would never do this. Aren't we supposed to be trying to help the farmer know what to do and, and make recommended practices? And so that's exactly why we're doing this is to force bad situations so that if a farmer gets in a bad situation like this, we'll know how to better handle it and what to do. So, you know, a lot of times when you hear us talk about things that we're doing, um, you know, it's like, it seems backward. Like, what, why would, why would you ever want to do that? You would, you know, we never recommend doing that. So that's, that's part of the reason we do some of these things is um, we, we force bad situations so that if the farmer does get in a bad situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now we'll tell you, that's, that reminds me of a call we got yesterday, Dr. Brennan. And part of the problem that we are seeing right now is weeds. You know, we're dealing with weeds right now and had a guy that called and he was trying to figure out if he could run a sweep in reduced tillage that had a lot of residue and the sweeps were throwing it up over the plants or onto the plants. And that's a bad situation. Kind of said, hey, you're, you're increasing your risk for causing disease issues. And, and his main thing is I have no other choice. And so we're dealing with some of that out there. And I and I mentioned to the agent, I mentioned a little bit, you know, I would almost rather them go out and try to find a weed wiper or weed um, bar because peanut is so easy to go out there and use Gramops on in that situation and take care of that versus throwing a lot of dirt up on and clumps, big clumps of dirt on there. But I do understand some some growers don't have an option. And so they're just trying to do the lesser of the two evils and say, hey, I can come back and try to control the disease. Uh, I mean, what's your thoughts in that situation? Yeah, it's. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns that are trying to just make a generic answer. Um, 
you know, if you're going to do it, things, simple things like making sure your sweeps are set flat and you get the sweep set on an angle a little bit, it's going to throw a lot more dirt. So set the sweeps flat where it just clips the weeds and the soil just kind of raises and falls. Uh, travel speed, you know, the faster you go, the more soil you're going to throw. So there's, there's things if you do it that you can make sure you're adjusting to minimize that effect. <laughs> but it's, it's hard to make a one situation recipe fit everything right now because some guys are in a tough position having to make a, a less than ideal call. And and they're trying to make a call when we potentially got rain coming back in. And they're just now getting back in the field. And I go, I got this 150, 200 acres to get across. And now I'm, I'm backed up again. If I have to find a, a weed bar or if I've got to do this or if i got to do that. I told him, you know, in that situation, one of the old cotton lay-by rigs, you know, that had the metal shields on both yeah. sides, you could put a sweep in between that and keep dirt from yeah. going back over the plants. I mean, there's things, but just don't have the time. I don't, you I don't, know? And that's a lot of manipulation too. So, yeah. but you don't have time and time is against everybody right now. And so I understand each and every one of these guys doing various things. I just, I just worry about it sometimes. So I mean, one thing I could add, if, especially if he's in a shorter rotation or white mold is a, a factor in the field, uh, you might want to consider putting out your white mold fungicide first before you do that uh, or something with some white mold activity. Because what happens, you run that sweep, the inoculum for white mold, the sclerosia in the soil, you throw that up there, you're putting the inoculum in there next to the plant, you're covering it with soil, it stays wet, it gives it the perfect environment. So you have an opportunity perhaps to spray those vines before you do that and at least have some fungicide coverage there. Yeah, that's a good idea. Putting the soil and the inoculum on top. And I didn't think about that the other day either. Um, what about rhizop? When you throw the dirt up on those vines, and if you cover the vines, is that going to produce potential rhizop issues? Yeah, same with rhizop. It's just more classically seen and known for white mold. Okay. But I'm sure rhizop could be the same way because that gives you some vine injury. Okay. Also, and that that leads to Isaac. Y'all, y'all talking brought me up two points that I uh, one I meant to mention. Another one I thought of when y'all were talking. We're talking about being behind, and um, I feel like a lot of us been antsy to get in the field. And I noticed there's a couple of peanut fields out near where I live that I could start with from the road. I couldn't figure out what happened. It almost looked like he had dug or hogs that got out there. But I think what happened, he got in the field, and we got to get out there. But he got out there a little bit early and bogged in a few places, and and bogged into those plants. I don't know how it should terminology I'd use, but he basically, uh, when he marred up, it was like rolled plants up. Yeah. You know, Tubbs, you were just talking about a few minutes ago, you know, some of the stuff y'all do. I mean, I guess it's the small parts of the field, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know if there's any recommendations, but we, how do we decide when we get back out there and is it worth jumping a little early like that and having a few spots like that? Or should we try to wait another day or two and just make sure we're sure we're not going to stick an implement or a tractor out in the field and cause some worse damage to it? Well, I think I think the easy question is, yeah, we would rather you wait. Yeah, you know, the quick answer is we. But you got to realize if that guy's got a thousand acres and he got to mm-hmm. get across there, then they're going to hunt and pick until they can get in a place and go. Yeah. And, and yeah. I and That's I understand that, but just know that, yeah, I would I would heap rather you leave those corners out and not mess up because you got to rutting up that bad of a situation and peanuts you they're not going to recover and I'm talking about yield potential and yeah. everything when you dig that big of a trench they're probably not going to do very well plus you're also making it worse as things go time goes along because now we got places going to hold water yep 
And so just cool. keep all that in mind. That that brings me to my next point on timing. Uh, I had it in my mind when I'm earlier when we were talking, and then I, I let it slip. But we're um we're at we're at or moving just past peak corn water use, which is still higher than what our peanut water use is right now. And we got a cotton crop coming on. Um, and so we're trying to do a lot of things right now. I think um, I was talking about water needs and water requirements just for peanuts, and I'm not getting off the peanut side, but. You know, keep in mind now it's becoming a logistical problem for you. You know, hopefully you're not competing across um, across all of your systems, but most of our guys across the state are not running single well, single system. Usually we're running well to multiple systems. And so now think about what your highest priority water use is, what age your crop's at, which one you want to target first and how to move to the second, the third from there. You know, and it's just a logistical question at this point. It may not be necessarily a, what needs water to, you know, how much water do I need on it right now? But it's, all right, what can I get to in the next four days That's that right. needs it? And so just kind of get that plan together too. Sometimes that plan is as good as trying to go out there and panic and just start turning systems on and can't figure out where you're at, what you need to be doing. So, yeah. That reminds me, I forgot to mention boron. Um, yeah. you know, we focus on yeah. calcium so much and, uh, you know, thinking about them peanuts hadn't got anything for 60 days, go ahead and throw some some boron, half a pound of borons or recommendation. I got a good friend that says, don't forget your boron, your moron. So, what about four ounces? I thought you could do it with four ounces. No, right? you can't. You're trying to try to get me mad now, ruin my day. I was having a good day till you said that. I thought that I thought Abby yeah. ruined your day talking about your donuts. No, you know, that's Abby. Look at Abby. He's so skinny. He he could hang glide on a Dorito. You so he needs a donut. He didn't even have any. You know, he didn't have any. All the you rest of us that don't need one have one. You I know. Hey, one. Look, there's one missing out of that. Pack. Yeah, that that might might that's why he's so skinny. I think I ate that, one. <laughs> that was my fridge. Yeah. That was me, not them. He moved it away so it was out of. Now, one thing I have been getting questions on as we move, like boron, we're getting into when we need something. Um, and I've been getting a few questions, not really much. I was going to say this until the next, but I'll go ahead and mention on the growth growth regulator side of things with with us if we continue getting rains and this stuff these varieties growing off fast remember that you know we don't use a labeled rate uh at all in the state of georgia because it's too much on them you're not going to have that consistent yield response and that is 7.25 ounces per acre twice so we don't do that what we recommend is going anywhere between three and a half and 5.4 ounces uh twice and that's that's what we have found to work in Georgia. But the thing about it is about when they lap and then two weeks later. Yeah, like, right when they lap, I, I like to say, you know, they say start first, start touching. Fifty percent laterals touching, that is almost ninety percent lap. You're barely seeing any any soil in the in the row middles. And if it's twin row, I want them hundred percent lap. So I want them a little bit closer tied together. And the thing about it is we got several growers that have used it and said it didn't work, but they turned out they left out the nitrogen source or the water conditioner. That is the most important thing. We talk about the nitrogen and, and crop oil. Crop oil is secondary. The nitrogen source or the water conditioner is the primary thing that we need in with it. Yeah. Um, the yeah. crop oil is just icing on the cake. It just makes uniformity a little bit better. It does not eliminate how well it works. That's the thing we found out. The nitrogen source, however, we had several folks say, well, it just wasn't working good. I had to go with the full what? rate. That's why it was not working. That reminds me. Dr. Tubbs, didn't you do a study on different nitrogen sources with the growth regulator? Whatever came of that. So, so I've done one, yeah. Scott's done one as well. 
Does it matter? Or as long as we've we been slowly it, working on that, and we use ammonium sulfate. Good. Foliar-grade ammonium sulfate or liquid ammonium sulfate. There are, a, I think, about eight or ten different water conditioners out there per company, whatever you want to look at. And I, I'm not sure that I'm comfortable saying there's a difference yet, hmm. but we did see some inconsistencies. It's interesting. And so we've got a test out on farm this year looking at eight different ones. I bet uh, you the other see. one you're going to get is 28. I think we had that in that trial. Yeah, yeah we had 28, 28. We had 32%. Um, spray grade ammonium sulfate. Mm -hmm. Was might have been one other, but feed grade urea maybe. I think that was probably it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Was, yeah, whatever you provided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I, that's not that's a logical one because that's available and cheap. So. Yeah, I think those were the four that I used plus a check plot, and I actually didn't see any difference in any of the plots last year, um, mm -hmm. including the check. But that's one year data, one location. That's going to be good info though because it wasn't real clear. Because on, on farm we did we did made. see some differences, but it like I said, I, I it's one year worth of data right now. Yeah, I think the original so, recommendation might have said ammonia sulfate. That's what they used at work. It's AMAS so, you know, or UAN. It's up that's to us what, to keep looking at yeah. other stuff. That's right. So, but it's just the fact that everybody is adding all their products in with it. And so we even have those products with um, crop oil in with them. So we've got to figure out our stickers. And so we're trying to figure out, does that matter or does best it combo. not? But, need the best combo. But we just need a nitrogen source water conditioner at a pint or a pound per acre in there. Crop oil, if it's by itself, you can put a quart per acre or a quart per hundred. Uh, but if we are mixing with fungicides, make sure that we drop the crop oil out. That's, that's the going recommendation right now because most of the fungicides that we use has some sort of a sticker or adjuvant in with it. So that's that's what we're looking at. So we're going we'll cover that a little bit more as we go forward. Um, but just kind of want to go ahead and get that in front of some of the guys that's, you know, getting close to 60 days old right now. Um, and just remember this year we are a little bit late. Vine growth seems to be behind a little bit. It may be 65 days before they close or even 70. So just some things to think about. Um, the, all right. The next, so the next podcast is going to be live from April. Is that yes, right? that's With everybody. That's going to be a special one. So yeah, that's that's going to be a good one. We got. I did. Sidekick, I did enter, and we may do more than one there because I did offer the specialists in other states if we could all get together. I don't. I think, I think that'd be on, really cool. I think I'm going to just set it up, and whoever shows up is who we'll talk. I to. might just show up to listen, and you know, if there's nothing specialists from the other states, you know. Yeah. That's Going on. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to get a chance to see nationwide what's going on, and um, we'll set it up and try to pass it out along the group. From you know, Savannah, live say, from Savannah. That's right, live from Savannah. Is that next weekend? No, no, but it's coming up fast. It's, it's the weekend. Yeah, so like we'll have one more podcast before that. I'll probably try to do like I did today um, and call another agent and get another viewpoint from another area of the state next week. So we'll we'll see what we can do. It's getting close to my birthday, so I expect a birthday cake. Birthday cake? Yeah. Since I brought the donuts tonight. Yeah, You know what to get me. Well I'm easy to shop for. All right. That's Circle King. Yeah, Any other Circle comments, K. questions? If not, we'll we'll uh Try to get to work, I reckon. Yeah, enjoy it. It's good. All right. Well, thank you all again for being part of episode 31, and we'll check with you next week. Thank you.